Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to Democracy-ish. I'm Danielle Moody. And I'm Wajah Ali. So, um, Waj, uh, anything interesting happened to you over the course of this week that, uh, that we should know about? So, uh, as we're recording this on the last day of AAPI Heritage Month, yay, Asians, uh, I was invited by, let's just say, a tech company or an emerging tech company um, by their DEI staff, that stands for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusivity, to give, you know, one of these talks uh, during AAPI Month. I've given several this week. So, uh, you know, usual uh, Zoom talk, about 300 people showed up, very nice audience. And, uh, you know, beforehand had a half hour conversation. They knew me, obviously researched me. And then like a week before the talk, I got this email, oh, can you give an outline, which I thought was very weird. I'm like, interesting. they no one's really asked me for an outline after spending 30 minutes with me. And then they gave the talk a very anodyne, like tepid name. Like, why are you talking about using your challenges to, uh, to, to find success? I'm like, okay, sure. Give them that talk before. So we start off with the talk. I give them the outline, no problem. And, you know, like SNL, I do a cold open. It's my first five minutes <laughs> where, you know, I hit you with a combination of stuff where people are kind of on their edge, but they laugh. They're like, where is this guy going? And, I, and, and I, what I start off with always is, you know, even though you don't know me, uh, I get emails every day telling me to go back to where I came from. Even though I'm born and raised in America, and I always respond, the Bay Area, I, I would love to if you could subsidize my rent. And then the, the person sends me another email saying, go F a goat or a camel. To which I say, why only two animals? There's a diverse animal kingdom. Two legs good, four legs good. Uh, but I'm too old to have sex with uh, animals. I'm married to one woman. Why don't you go F a goat or a camel? To which then they respond with all caps and mispronounce Y-O-U-R and Y-O-U apostrophe <laughs> right? So, so then I, 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 you know, I go on and then I say, you know, in America, it's an interesting country where our stories are being banned right now where uh, apparently you can't say gay. And then I do something which I think is personally hilarious. I've done this many times, Danielle, where I say, in some states that rhyme with Florida, you can't say gay. Because if you say gay, it makes people uncomfortable. So don't say gay or else kids will be gay. And then I do something where I say, listen, I'm an old man. I'm going to use 80s, 90s pop cultural references. I believe in Beetlejuice rules. If you say Beetlejuice three times, Beetlejuice appears. I think the same thing happens with gays. 
So if I say gay three times, magically gays will appear. Gay, gay, gay. Are there any gays here? Welcome, gays. Look, Doctor Strange opened up the gay portal and gays appeared. Hello, gays. Usually when I do this in live audiences, people cry laughing, right? And then I say, is everyone here who's still straight, straight? Okay, the world hasn't ended. Wonderful. And then all of a sudden, then I just switch and I say, listen, don't say gay, but gay people exist. And yet transgender kids are being bullied and harassed. Women have lost a constitutionally protected right. Black people are being shot and killed by the police. Asian Americans are being bullied and blamed for COVID, which has no ethnicity. And yet in America, we can't tell our story because it makes some people uncomfortable. And then I say, how do you get to reconciliation without truth? You can't, Mm. you don't, you won't. And right then, Daniel, Mm -hmm. five and a half minutes into my talk, guess Mm -hmm. what happened, Daniel? I heard there was a technical difficulty, Wash. All of a sudden, the entire Zoom meeting ended, and I'm sitting there thinking, must be a technical glitch. And like an idiot, I spend the next 15 minutes trying to log back on. I get no email from the company, no text, no phone call. Like an idiot, Danielle, I find the email of the people who invited me, I email them. Nothing. It's been an hour. So then I email and I say, excuse me, but did you cancel my talk? And then after an hour, I get a response saying, uh, there were internal issues. We will speak directly to your speaking agency. All right. So first time I have ever been literally canceled during a talk Mm -hmm. they didn't send an email to any of the employees or me Mm -hmm. they didn't tell me what was happening and because we internalize white supremacy because colonialism like herpes stays forever instead of being a mediocre white man a mediocre white conservative man who huffs and puffs and gets angry do you know what i spent the hour doing danielle what what did i say that was so wrong let me go back and think about my words. Maybe I made a mistake. Oh, wow. And so what happened over the past like day, day and a half now is several employees have emailed me, messaged me, some of them anonymously apologizing. And what I found out today is that the company lied to the employees and said it was a technical difficulty. But then, as you know, I tweeted this all out. Yep. And they were confronted with the tweets. And then they said, maybe we made... Maybe we could have handled it better. Maybe we were too hasty in pulling the plug. And so last thing I'll say is, thank God my speaking agency has my back. Apparently, they got the, the transcript from the company. And the guy who owns the speaking agency says, I read the transcript. And if you can't say this in America, then America's effed. Like the fact that they're having a meltdown over you is pretty much speaking the truth. And then the company had the audacity, Daniel, to message my speaking agency and in a sternly worded note said, have, would you have to take down the Twitter thread? And no. I'm sitting here, I haven't outed the company. I'll tell you why I haven't outed the company. Because my fear is, if I name the company, the retaliation will be against the DEI team. Mm-hmm. The women of color invited me. And guess what else, Danielle? I got told by my speaking agency who are dope, that Waj, it's not in your interest to name the company because corporations then will retaliate against you. So, Daniel, that's where we're at on the final day of AAPI Heritage Month. How was your AAPI Heritage Month? I mean, I am just outdone, right? And, and I want to I, I, I dig into the reasons why I'm outdone at this moment. Because... There was nothing that you said 
that was a lie, right? Books are being banned. Mm. You can't say gay in the state of Florida. If you are a teacher, if you are a student, if you are a parent, they have made that illegal. Um, you cannot go get gender affirming care. Mm. Women cannot have, or people with uteruses cannot have an abortion after six weeks. They have essentially erased and are working to have full erasure of the existence of black people in the Mm -hmm. state of Florida. So I want people to understand because while I appreciate Waj, your Twitter thread, and appreciate the fact that you won't name the company because you're Yet. better than because you're better than me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also because, you know, you have a family uh, to feed and, and speaking engagements when you are a celebrated, esteemed author like yourself is a way for you to bring in revenue. So to name, you know, it's a trick bag, right, that people right. of color and people from marginalized communities are in, because if we play the game right? Then you can maybe make a little bit of money off of having these thoughtful, engaging conversations at these ERGs being brought in by diversity, equity, and inclusion officers to have these conversations. The thing is, is that these are the same fucking companies that probably back Donald Trump, back the Trump administration, who told lies Every single day, all day for four fucking years. Mm. You did not offer up a lie in your opening. Not one. You did not offer up anything that w- could be deemed a slur in your opening. Danielle, you did I, not. I didn't even mention. I, I, I deliberately did not even mention DeSantis, Republicans, MAGA, Trump, Biden, Democrats. And that's my point. You didn't even name the actual true life villains who are happy to be in front of a camera, who are happy to go on Fox, who are happy to go on any right-wing podcast and spew their hate. But you naming them, you actually naming what it is that they did, that gets the plug pulled, but not the actions that they are committing. That's what I want people to focus on. That you see the logic that corporations are having right now is that it's not the racism that's the problem. It's not the transphobia and the homophobia that's the problem. It's our God-given ability to acknowledge it and to talk about it. That's right. That's the problem. We should all just take it on the chin and keep moving on, apparently, and pretend that it's not fucking happening. It's okay to experience it. It's okay to be the victim of it. But by talking about it, you will make, and this is what I've been hearing from corporations, some pockets in our company uncomfortable. And as such, we're looking for reconciliation and harmony, unity, unity. So, and and, and I literally got told this by a law firm, uh, which I addressed last year. (laughs) They're like, listen, listen. We, you know, we want you to be yourself and talk about, you know, what's happening and racism and everything, but you can't mention white supremacy. So I'm like, am I playing a taboo? Are you inviting me to play a game of taboo? <laughs> what do you want me to do? Right? And they're like, listen, it took us a year to get them around white privilege. So, so just don't mention white supremacy. And the funny thing, Danielle, is this, is that white supremacy somehow came up. I explained it. And guess what? They're like, oh, okay, cool. So it's one of those situations where 
the majority keeps bending the knee to placate the economic anxiety of a radicalized <laughs> and weaponized minority that wants white supremacy at the expense of our democracy and our freedoms and our truth and our stories. And we're supposed to police ourselves mm. for this minority that is so triggered by simply the words BLM or gay, but not triggered by the fact that black people are being killed and Asians are being killed and like gay people are being killed. That's fine. And then the second aspect of this that I found was fascinating is the corporation now admits they hastily pulled the plug, which meant maybe it was one person who got pissed off and got afraid of how this will look. And so they preemptively bent the knee. They pre and what happens to society, Danielle, that preemptively bends the knee to fascism? That's what I want people to talk about. Yeah, it happened to me, whatever. I'm still going to get paid, folks. I'm still going to get paid. Don't worry. Come on. I'm, I'm not the victim. I made sure of that. Um, but this is a microcosm of what it's like. And it's also a microcosm, Daniel, of what it's like to be that token person of color in a corporate setting that you and I have been. You know, and I and I just like you had said in your in your tweet thread, and I encourage folks to go back uh, and, and read Waj's tweet thread that this company wanted him to take down is that the reason why you're not going to name the company is because you're afraid not for yourself, but for the retaliation that could happen to the DE to the DNI group that brought you in in the first fucking place. Yep. And that to me is just outright. Like if I'm a person of color sitting inside of that company right now, I'm disgusted. Right. But like I have no, yeah. but, but where am I going? What, uh, what recourse do I have? You charged me with saying, Hey, it's diversity month this year. We're this month. We're looking at, uh, 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 ah, AAPI <laughs> next yeah. month. Find us a good gay, yeah. right? But one that won't say gay, talk about being gay, like a won't mention gay. pride or, at all. A safe gay. Maybe those log cabin Republicans. <laughs> Right? Find like, us that's a gay a that one. takes us to reconciliation, but doesn't talk about, oh, I don't know, hate against the transgender community. It's just, I think that where we are is such a distorted and sick place where, again, folks, you can have an administration and an entire party lie all day, every day spread hate, spread toxicity, spread violence, mm. advocate for violence, right? Say that they're going to pardon murderers, right? Turn those murderers into heroes. But God forbid people from the communities that they are oppressing and creating oppressive legislation get a bullhorn or a microphone like they did in Tennessee and have and be told that you're the real insurrectionist because I'm talking about what it is that you're doing or won't do to protect all people that makes you an insurrectionist shitting in the halls of Congress. However, that makes you a fucking patriot. Yeah. And the guy, remember the, 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 the guy who was the Viking shaman. Y'all remember that guy with the tattoo? Oh yeah. The vegan, the vegan Viking shaman just got released from prison. And guess what folks? returned to his church with wild applause and is now selling merch and making money off of literally defiling 
the U.S. Capitol and participating in what was thankfully a failed violent insurrection. And, and so like you mentioned to me, it was really interesting, like who gets to be seen as an insurrectionist? Colin Kaepernick quietly, peacefully bending the knee. That is more triggering to America than black people being shot and killed, right? Uh, uh, a white man being told, hey, you, you can't say the N-word anymore. That is oppression to them, right? But people literally being lynched for jogging in their neighborhood, that's okay. And the interesting thing about this is for, the, for us who, I think it's for all of us, but for us who have been in these allegedly liberal circles, right? In New York, in DC, in Hollywood, in corporate America, that it's, 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 it sits there and eats at you, Danielle, because it's been eating at me for like the past day. Mm-hmm. Like the more and more I think about it, the more and more I get pissed off because I've never been treated so disrespectfully. They didn't even have mm. the they didn't even have the decency to even message me or say my bad or this is what happened to you. They ran behind the corporate cloak and they lied to their employees. And now I have to protect the corporation that engaged in bad behavior because I've been told corporations will retaliate against me and my career will be threatened and the people of color at DEI will be will be screwed. And, and it takes us to, coincidentally, uh, a revelation that came out yesterday where Mo Ryan, who is a writer at the Vanity Fair, is coming out with a book mm-hmm. next week called Burn, it, Burn Down the System. I believe that's the name of the book. Uh, or Burn It All Down. Let me, let me uh, uh, get, it, get it for you as I Google it. But basically, she did this amazing, uh, it's called Burn It Down, Power, Complicity, uh, and uh, hold on one second. Uh, and call for change in Hollywood. Burn it down. Power, complicity, and call for change in Hollywood coming out next week by Mo Ryan. She came out with this blockbuster piece in the Vanity Fair, where it's an excerpt from the book, Danielle, and it talks about the toxic, racist culture in Hollywood, specifically in specific shows. Wait for it. Lost, and Mm-mm. she got people of color, the writers and actors on record talking about the shit that they went through that came out yesterday and they kept quiet because they realized they would be silenced. But now fast forward 15 years, they said F it. And they went on the record and told her these horrific stories. And I hope Franklin Leonard of the blacklist doesn't mind me sharing this. Uh, Franklin Leonard, follow him. He's been doing fantastic work in Hollywood, elevating uh, POC voices. But he said he got the a copy of the book and we were talking, he read it and he said it just triggered PTSD. 
a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities. Healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country. Immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun. And candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, I, you know, this is the thing about white supremacy, right? Which is you weaponize whiteness, you wield it against those that do not have the power of systems backing them. And you wield it in such a way that forces those that are victimized mm. by it to be silenced about their pain. Mm. Because if you're not silent about your pain, if you don't just take it on the chin, then we'll further weaponize you and make you, by virtue of announcing said pain, by virtue of naming that pain, will make you the problem. Not whiteness, not white supremacy, not racism, not homophobia, not Islamophobia, not transphobia, not misogyny, but you the problem for having said and shared the treatment of said system. Like, does do people understand how fucking sick? Like, we are living inside of multiple DSM-4 diagnoses in this mm. country, right? That that the trauma, the trauma that we are forced to live under and act as if this is normal, right? These people have lost, we're not able or felt that they had the agency to share their stories of hostility, to share their stories of racism and mistreatment because they may never work again. The same, think about the same around the victims of sexual abuse and sexual violence, right? Inside of Hollywood, who did not share and haven't shared their stories for fear of what? they'll never work again. So if you want to work in a particular agency, if you want to continue to quote unquote rise in a space that was never created for you to rise in, then you must take everything, swallow it, right? Show that you're a team player. That's right. And keep on keeping on. What you just said perfectly encapsulates the experience of the uh, folks of color, specifically the black actors and black writers on Lost. I read the article, Harold Perrineau, who is a fantastic actor, and now his daughter is an actor. You you remember him from Oz. He was on Lost. He simply articulated to the writers and creators, hey, these are problematic stories. Hey, I think they might have racist undertones. Hey, can you do better? He was then seen as the problem, and allegedly then they retaliated against him because he called the showrunners racist. He goes, I'm not calling you racist. I'm just articulating the problem. A black writer used to go home and cry every night. And eventually she was saying, that was the choice, Danielle, is that I have to feed my family. And Mm -hmm. I'm one of the only black women writers on this hit show. And I just want to write cool stories for a cool show. And is it worth it for me to come home feeling like shit? And then having all the other white men 
literally mock me and laugh at me and do racist jokes as I'm in the room. And then when I talk about it, I'm seen as a problem or I'm being seen as uppity, right? And, and the funny thing is, is, is there's this old Chappelle skit from Chappelle Show, which uh, encapsulates this really well. When keeping it real goes wrong. Because when it happens to white folks, they can have an insurrection. When it comes mm-hmm. to white folks, they can keep it real. Shoot from the hip. Tell it like it is. I'm mad as hell and I ain't going to take it anymore. You get rewarded, Daniel. You get elected to president. You can choke out and kill a man on a subway and become the hero. What happens if we wild out, Daniel? Um, I don't know, Waj. Uh, what would you like on your headstone? <laughs> I'm, you know, like what would what uh, you know, what would you like your chalk outline to look like? Because we do not have because wilding out is about what freedom of expression, mm. right? The ability to be free to express your layered emotions as a full and complete human being. But when you are robbed of your humanity through generations of white supremacy and dehumanization and terrorism, right? When you are been formed and birthed into the idea of the other, you're not allowed that full range of motion. And so emotion. And so freedom of expression is not lent to those that are not white, that are not cis, that are not Christian. That's right. Right. Um, and that are not straight and that are not male because women are hysterical. Black people are angry. Brown people who pray a different way, who are Muslim, are terrorists. Mm. Everyone else is seen as a threat and as a problem, unless you are a cis, straight, Christian, white man. Who supports Trump? Because Mike Pence, at the last second, went against the insurrection, and they went after him. I always try to remind people, Daniel, that's, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you think you'll be safe, I want to remind you that fascists come after everyone at the end of the day. They come after everyone. And speaking about wilding out, and, and I'm very proud of my uh, uh, segue here. This is why they pay me the big money. And by big money, I mean a falafel sandwich. <laughs> White supremacy wilded out as it often has in America. And we are recording this podcast on the anniversary of the Tulsa massacre. And specifically tying it all together, Damon Lindelof, who was the showrunner of Lost, who has apologized in in, um, response to this article that has come out for his previous actions, was responsible, Danielle, for this fantastic show that came on HBO, Watchmen. And this just shows you the, the sad, pathetic state of U.S. education and how our stories are buried to preserve white supremacy and not step on the toes of certain people to cause economic anxiety. The only reason why most Americans now know about the Tulsa massacre is because of the show Watchmen, whose showrunner mm-hmm. was Damon Lindelof. How do you reconcile all of this, Danielle? I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like, you know, I'll, I'll go back to the beginning of what you said. There can be really no reconciliation without a great excavation of the truth, mm. right? Like there, there is no reconciling this. Right. Like, I, I don't I don't understand how you can preside over 
a situation, a writing room, a, a show that you have people coming out now to express their tortured racist environment, and then also be a part of exposing people to one of the greatest, most, and I say greatest as in horrific massacres of, of this country's existence, mm. right? Like, I don't, I don't know. Is that, is that, was that his apology? I, 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 I have no idea. But what I do know is that like America is at its great reckoning point where there can be no real excavation because there's no desire to face the truth. They don't want the truth. They want an erasure of the truth. They want to criminalize the truth. They want to make everything about the truth and those that embody it illegal. So what does, you know, and I tell you, folks, whether you're queer, whether you're black, whether you're brown, whether, you know, you're from any community that has been marginalized, even if you are not, they are coming for you next, right? Like this is, this is, this is what, and I, and I, I, I keep saying this, you know, we learn about the fall, Waj, of so many different empires, right? In school, you learn about the fall of the empire, but you know what they never cover? What has happened to the people? What happens to the people? while their empires are crumbling. Mm. This is where we are in American society right now, which is as our democracy is crumbling all around us, this disorientation, this anxiety, this fear, this like hopelessness mashed with like, I'm going to fight tooth and nail. It's, it's, we are really suffering in such a horrific way mm. because it's like, how do you watch something that you have loved and only known die and it seem like you're the only one that's screaming that it's happening? Well, it, it goes back to the point, right, of feeling gaslit. And it goes back to what I shared was my initial response to what I knew what, what was happening was that I got canceled for speaking the truth was, oh, maybe it's my fault. Maybe I did something wrong. Did, did, did I offend? You know, it's, it's like we gaslight ourselves from the truth that we experience and live every day because we are surrounded in, in this white supremacy Earth 3 bubble that needs myths and lies and stories filled with falsehoods to make them feel comfortable. And when we do succeed, Danielle, as what happened with Tulsa, is that this was a black town. You have to imagine, folks, 100 years ago, right? Like more than 100 years ago. Black town, where through self-reliance and, and grit and, and, and resilience and strength and, and uh, community bonds, they created a successful black town with black-owned businesses, with like, you know, educated black folks, you know, with, with, with them pretty much being self-reliant. And, and it was like a model. And that existence of that small town and black wealth was so threatening to white supremacy yep. that they bombed them. They, like, there was planes that like, literally like, shot at them, right? There they, they was a full-scale massacre. And so it, it comes to the point where you fast forward 100 years and you see the number one indicator for Trump voters. It wasn't economic anxiety, folks. Every study has shown that it was cultural anxiety. For them, it's a zero-sum game. If any of us succeed, 
they believe it comes at their expense. You know, the analogy I always give, let's go back to the corporation. Great granddaddies in America, granddaddies and daddies, when they looked at the boardroom, it was 10 white guys. Maybe our generation saw one woman and one black person. Maybe the new generation sees two women, one woman of color, and one Latino. For us, Danielle, it's like, yay, we have a seat at the table. For them, it's they're replacing us. Yep. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. It's just, you know, when I and and when I think about Tulsa, when I think about the fact that it wasn't the only successful black town. These were black towns of wealth and prominence that were existing inside of the white supremacist structure that was mm. created called segregation, right? These white folks didn't want to have anything to do with black people. The black folks said, bet, got it. Yep. We'll be on our own. But it wasn't enough because you see, what is the point, Waj, that you see? Cruelty, right? It isn't enough for black people or people of color to exist and is successfully so distant from whiteness, your existence must be only successful if it is in servitude to whiteness. And that's what I want folks to understand because segregation could have actually worked, right? Like it could have actually worked if you had left Black people the hell alone. But then whiteness couldn't work without oppression. And so when you see, again, marginalized communities, successful, all they see is them losing seats at the table, like you you said. When they see an administration like like the Obama administration or the Biden administration that is filled with, right, people of color, that has trans people at some of the highest levels of government, right? They don't see success. This is what a country that believes in democracy and freedom should look like. 
they see replacement. Yep, erasure. Erasure. So what do they do in return? Overcorrect, right? And instead of having the ability to send planes in and bomb the areas in Florida that they don't like or to bomb and torch, they create legislation that does the job of decimation. It's, you know, speaking of erasure, overcorrecting, and overcorrecting with violence, uh, we're moving on from AAPI month to Pride month. Uh, this episode will drop on the first day of Pride. And speaking about wilding out and white supremacy, <laughs> Daniel, uh, to, to show the through line of how all this is connected and affects all of our communities, um, I just wanted to ask you, as an open Black queer woman, how do you feel entering this Pride Month? Because as an observer, if you will, as, as a Muslim man, uh, a son of Pakistani immigrants, the conversation I've had with many of my friends who are not gay is the following. We are worried that this Pride Month will be filled with a lot of violence. We're terrified that certain communities and stores are going to be targeted, harassed, and threatened. And we're afraid of violence Pockets of violence erupting all across the nation, specifically targeting LGBTQ plus uh, companies, organizations, and their allies. But what's your, what's your take on this? So a couple of things, and I'm going to give my other show a big plug because Pride is very big on Woke AF. And the theme this year on Woke AF is you can't ban queer joy. And, you know, how do I feel as a Black queer woman going into this Pride? I have had many conversations with, you know, the the leaders of drag story time with uh, organizers, queer organizers in Florida. Um, one organizer whom I had to exit the conversation early because I was going to burst into tears in the interview mm. as I was listening to this queer woman talk about organizing the first pride in rural Florida that is now under attack mm. and they are worried about violence, but they are going to push forward. Um, and mm. the reality is that pride started as a riot. Pride started at Stonewall in the 1960s as a pushback led by black trans women against police brutality of the queer community. And they had had enough. And so for me, Pride, I vacillated between my feelings and it has expanded and retracted and expanded again over time because of the corporatization um, and the rainbowing it up that corporations were happy to do over the course of the last decade and now are retreating from because of being called out by uh, bigots. And so for me, pride is very much a revolutionary act. It is about standing firmly on your ground, in your skin, in your body, owning who you are, not being defined by other people, by a system um, that doesn't want to see your fullness and your humanity. And so how do I feel going into pride? Yeah, I feel like there is going to be violence, like I feel about going into every election cycle since Donald Trump came down the escalator, right? But does that mean that people should back down? No, it means that people should take all of the precautions that they can. But at the end of the day, Wash, guess what? We're at war every day, all day, because you and I can be shot walking out of our house, going to a concert, going to the grocery store, going to the mosque, going to a place of worship, going to school, right? So we are living in violent times. It doesn't matter if it's Pride Month 
or it's Ramadan or it's uh, or it's a Jewish celebration or it's AAPI month or Women's History Month. It doesn't matter. This is America now. Right. It is a violent nation. And so for those people, particularly this Pride Month, I tell you, you know, be safe, be vigilant, but be joyful. Right. Like we have got to continue to press on part of resistance is being in places of joy. Right. And so do not succumb to the hate. Right. And say like find community wherever you can find community and build it because that is where you will find your safety. But how do I feel this Pride Month? I feel like we, I need to grow from a place of power and I need to turn my rage into a consistent place of resilience um, because it isn't about me. It's not even about the people that, are, it is about young people who are now seeing a world that they don't see themselves in and I'll be damned if they're forced back into the closet. Joy is a intentional act of resistance. Sometimes people forget that, you know, smiling and holding your head up high with pride while the world shits on you is an act of rebellion. And I think it's something that people should uh, always remember that you being happy and you smiling and you finding joy in, in just hopeless times is perhaps sometimes the biggest slap in the face of the bigot. Like, why? Why are they happy? Why are they proud? Why are they empowered? Why are they walking with dignity? Why, damn it? I've tried to stomp them, and yet they keep rising like flowers from concrete, gardens from concrete. And so, you know, as we end a PI month, we go to Pride, and corporations are waving their flags and inviting us. I think it's time to end the performative BS. It's also time to end the cowardice and the fear. It's okay to be vigilant, vigilant and concerned. But the last thing I would want people to say is, for those who are listening, right, if you're not Muslim, if you're not Asian, if you're not Black, if you're not queer, this fight includes all of us. Mm -hmm. They're coming after all of us. They're banning all of our stories. They want an America where them and they alone are at the top and their boots are on our necks, that they are the masters of the house, and we should be grateful that they have rented us a room. And I'll be damned if I tell my kids that's their legacy. My kids will not be sidekicks or punchlines or villains. They will not be renting when they are the co-owners. Uh, and they will not be sidekicks when they're the co-protagonists. So that, inshallah, will be the legacy that I passed down. Thank you for listening to Democracy-ish. I'm Danielle Moody. I'm Ajatli. And we will be back next week. If, in fact... We have a country left, inshallah. <laughs>